Welcome back to Curatively, the podcast. I'm Bavia. I'm Alekia. I'm Divya. And I'm Karina. So for this month, we decided to focus on hypothyroidism as our health cause. And in this episode, we interact with Dr. Tan, an endocrinologist and a thyroid specialist. And Anjali, a patient diagnosed with hypothyroid. Hi, uh, welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Um, and today we'll be asking a medical professional working in the field of hypothyroidism um, some questions. Awesome. So Dr. Tan, if you'd like to introduce yourself and kind of talk about what you do. Okay. Uh, hi, thank you guys for having me. My name is Anjanette Tan, Dr. Tan. I am a thyroid specialist. So uh, I have been in private practice uh, treating um, hormone conditions for about 16 years now. Um, and so I have a practice in Fort Worth, Texas, and I am what's called an endocrinologist. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, what is an endocrinologist? If you can connect that to what is hypothyroidism? Okay. So an endocrinologist is a doctor that specializes in hormone conditions. Um, and so a hormone is a substance or a chemical that is produced by several glands in your body. And so these hormones or chemicals are released into the bloodstream and uh, circulates in your bloodstream and it attaches to organs that have receptors for them. So these receptor, these organs that have receptors are called target organs. And so we have different and many, many hormones in our body. Um, and so how we tie it to thyroid, thyroid is one of those glands uh, that produce that chemical. So thyroid hormone is produced by your thyroid gland. Where is it located? It is located at the base of the neck. It is slightly lower uh, under your Adam's apple. So right above your kind of that uh, clavicle bone. So right above there in the center. So it really sits low in the neck. So the thyroid gland produces thyroid hormone. And so when that is released into your circulation, it attaches to all kinds of different receptors and they are everywhere. They're located in your heart, skin, muscle, uh, brain has thyroid receptors as well. And when those hormones are attached to those receptors, they, um, kind of impel or start a series of actions uh, that change your physiology uh, and they kind of support your heart rate, all kinds of different things. They support muscle function. And so that is the role of thyroid hormone in our body. It is not like a heartbeat that you can feel. It's almost like a supporting cast. It's not like a heartbeat that you can feel or breath that you have to take. So when it is running normally, you do not know that it's there. It is just kind of like your supporting actor or actress. And so, but when it becomes dysfunctional is when we start having uh, all of these negative symptoms. Interesting. That actually connects me. I'm in AP bio right now. Actually, both Vivian and I are. And we were just learning about this whole receptor thing. So it kind of ties to us. Section pathways, all this hormones, enzymes. Exactly. Uh, um, so my next question for you is kind of how how you work um, in your day-to-day -day life with your profession um, and like how your practice goes with your private practice and all that. So could you just touch on that? So sure, so to become, to become a hormone specialist or an endocrinologist, uh, of course you have to go to medical school and after you graduate from medical school, endocrinology is a 
subspecialty of internal medicine. Okay. So uh, it, there's also pediatric endocrinology. So you have to go into general pediatrics or general internal medicine residency. And after that, you, so internal medicine residency is a typically a three-year program. And after that, you go into endocrinology subspecialty. So typically that's another two or three years. So after subspecialty training, then you, then you start your work as an attending physician. And so in private practice, uh, we, you're kind of opening up your own business and uh, to become a, it's just like a lawyer who has a practice. We are doctors who have our own practices. Uh, so we have chosen that we want to be in private practice and clinic based. So we, do get consults, we go into the hospital when we are asked, but the majority of our practice is we open up an office and we see patients there. And so I typically see, and each endocrinologist has, according to your schedule and how, or how you want it fashioned, I see about 18 to 20 patients a day. Oh, wow. So mainly they come see you, you go into a room and you, uh, it, we are a consult practice. So typically general internal medicine physicians or family medicine physicians ask for a consult. So they refer patients to us uh, and they have a specific question or a specific problem. And we address those with the patient when they come into clinic. I see. That makes sense. That was really interesting to um, hear. I think like um, consultation is like the first step to getting treatment and um, it's kind of amazing how you guys do that correct so however i also want to uh, i want to say that majority of hormone disorders actually thyroid disorders a lot of them are treated by our general doctors so internal medicine physicians and family medicine physicians they it is a very well-known condition um, i would say for them and they typically, when you present to your family physician or your primary care physician that we call it with these symptoms, they are able to check thyroid blood tests and they are able to treat. So mostly, sometimes what we receive are uh, more difficult cases. Um, this is how we kind of help our internists and family physicians in the community. Interesting. I mean, adding on to that, like my mom is hypothyroid, but she's never gone to an endocrinologist or anything. So I think everything she does just is with her general practitioner. Interesting. Um, so just another question I had is if you have like any patient stories or personal experiences that you want to share that could really be enlightening to our listeners, anything interesting? Okay. So I, I was thinking about that. Um, so the thyroid, uh, for example, right? The thyroid produces thyroid hormone. So again, uh, as I said, if it's producing normally, then you don't feel anything because everything is working perfectly. The, there are two ways that it can go wrong. Uh, either you produce too little hypothyroidism or produce too much hyperthyroidism. When you produce too little thyroid hormone or hypothyroidism, Typically, the symptoms are you're very sluggish, tired, depressed, constipated, dry skin. When you are hyperthyroid or the thyroid produces too much hormone, then you have very fast heart rate, you get palpitations, anxiety, nervousness, memory loss, insomnia, feeling hot all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I think of difficult cases or really 
a condition that causes difficulty in your life. And the most significant patients that I remember are actually those with hyperthyroidism or those that all of a sudden produce too much hormone because typically you cannot concentrate, you're very anxious. So I have actually seen uh, a few young, uh, young patients, even those who are in college, cannot concentrate and the grades suffer uh, and they have had to drop out. I remember when I was very, uh, when I was starting my practice years ago, there was an art major. You know, he was a, media was painting. Uh, and so he just could not kind of finish because he was so distracted and he had a lot of tremors. And so he almost dropped out, but thankfully he was diagnosed properly and treated. Oh, wow. On the other hand, if the thyroid is not producing enough, you are very tired and you're very depressed and you're very slow. And also the same thing, you can lose your concentration and grades can also suffer. So hyper is too much thyroid being produced and hypo is being too less. Correct. Actually, I have a question because my mom also has hypo or hyper. I'm not sure which thyroid. Um, but she has a problem with her thyroid. And whenever she, like, has, like, a huge, like, she's not able to manage her medications or she forgets to take it, she gets really bloated um, and she gains a lot of weight. So I'm not sure, like, what, like, which type of thyroid would that be? That is hypothyroidism. So when your body does not have enough thyroid hormones circulating, then everything slows down. So your metabolism slows, you tend to gain weight, you... Uh, become forgetful and slow, depressed, dry skin. Interesting how many people around us have hypothyroid, or I guess hyperthyroidism, because I didn't know this was so prevalent until I started talking to people and they're like, oh, this is such a meaningful cause to us because either my mom has it, my grandma has it, I have it. I was like, oh, wow, um, it is around us. So then on the train of medications, um, what are some medications that are associated with hypothyroidism and how do they work in the body just simply? Okay, this is very interesting because that medication, so when you say, how do you treat hypothyroidism, right? So your thyroid is not able to produce thyroid hormone that is enough for your organs. So interestingly, the treatment for that is replacement. You cannot remove uh, the cause of, first of all, why do you develop hypothyroidism? We, we can talk about, about that in a minute. But the main treatment for hypothyroidism is actually thyroid hormone replacement or thyroid hormone that is made in a lab, synthetic thyroid hormone. So what you're doing is actually replacing. You are not removing the cause of it because most of the time, the cause of it is autoimmune, meaning uh, and then we go into the next subject, the cause of hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. The most common cause of hypothyroidism is an autoimmune process, meaning it's antibody driven. The same way your body produces antibodies that fight the outside world, like when you get a bacteria or a virus, you incite an antibody response. What's interesting is an autoimmune process means you make antibodies that when they go out into the circulation, they get attracted to your own organs, autoimmune. So self-immune. So they stick to your thyroid gland and it causes the gland a long-term non-painful inflammation such that over time, you are not able to produce adequate thyroid hormone. 
And so there is no medication to remove those antibodies. So you're almost treating the ramifications of those antibodies after they have quote unquote ravaged your gland. So you merely replace and what we do is adjust dosing. So if you need more, according to the blood work, we adjust, we either go higher, we go lower. And so therefore, if you forget your thyroid hormone medication or replacement, that's when you get the symptoms because instead of your thyroid making it, you are giving it to your body. That's exactly what Divya was talking about with her mom. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to think that you replace this hormone in your body with synthetic hormone that's developed in the lab. And I think that really goes to show like how much like the medical industry has like developed and like you're able to, pr- you're able to produce these hormones with all these like other materials, like synthetic materials um, to replace such a like natural thing. Correct. So what's interesting is the most common reason for hypothyroidism is autoimmune. It's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Mm-hmm. Dr. Hashimoto was actually... So I tell everybody, do not get intimidated by Hashimoto. It was Dr. Hashimoto that described this condition. That's it. So it's an autoimmune cause. What's interesting is the way we help other specialties or your family doctor is if you say that thyroid condition is one of the more common autoimmune conditions, then there's not to say that you won't develop another autoimmune process. Like, therefore, alopecia, which is considered autoimmune, meaning two autoimmune conditions can co-occur. So if you have alopecia, it may be possible that you might also have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So it can be multiple. It's not just one. Yes. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, I think that kind of leads us into our next question. So what are some misconceptions or myths about hypothyroidism? Misconceptions about hypothyroidism. Okay, so several things. Uh, So number one, sometimes, you know, we get into the kind of road on blaming ourselves. What did I do? What could I have done to, to make it better or prevent it? Unfortunately, again, the most common reason for hypothyroidism is an autoimmune process. So I want people not to be too hard on themselves. Sometimes there's nothing you can do where do these antibodies come from is mostly family. So the family risk. Um, And so therefore that's one. Sometimes there is nothing that you could have done to yourself to get it or not get it. So if you get it, you get it. And so we can move forward and replace it well. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I hear a lot of patients say, uh, I am very tired, therefore it is due to my thyroid being underactive but not in all cases. And so how do you diagnose hypothyroidism is with blood tests. And so when you are tired and you think it's your thyroid, a way to confirm it is to check the blood test. And if the blood test says no, then unfortunately it's not. So that, that's one thing I typically hear from patients. And then number two, is there anything that I could do to make it better? Yes, there are certain recommendations. However, the main treatment is really replacement. You replace it well, and then you can lead a long, healthy life. The last thing I would say is sometimes when people, let's say we are treating hypothyroidism and we are picking an agent or a thyroid hormone. So this talk about synthetic versus natural. 
Synthetic doesn't mean it's bad. Synthetic means it's made in a lab, it's very well controlled, it's clean, and it's very consistent. So some people actually prefer uh, what is natural, what is natural thyroid hormone. Actually, natural thyroid hormone is available. It is desiccated pig thyroid. So what they do is they purify, they, they purify, they standardize pig thyroid gland, uh, and that is the pill form that they replace thyroid hormone with. Some people say they feel better on it, which is fine. However, I always caution that because it's animal thyroid, it could be very variable. So sometimes the dosing is up and down, is not very consistent. So sometimes um, I would say it's just a label when they say natural. Natural doesn't exactly mean it's better. So a lot of people actually do better with synthetics because they are more consistent. Interesting. No, that's a super cool message. Divya, anything else? Um, no, I think that she answer, answered most of our questions and she answered them very thoroughly. Thank you so much for coming today. We really appreciate it. And our viewers and our listeners will, hopefully they learned a lot more about hypothyroid. This was some amazing information on for them. Definitely. Yes, and thank you very much. So if you have further questions, you know, I do have a lot of posts uh, on hypothyroidism and general endocrinology. Uh, so follow me on Instagram, AnjanettePanMD. Thank you. Welcome, Anjali, to Curatively, the podcast. Uh, do you want to start off by introducing yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Anjali. I'm a sophomore uh, in Redmond, Washington. And the reason I'm here on this podcast is because I have the hypothyroid, uh, which is like the cause for the cures discussing for Jan and Feb. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you, Bavia, and uh, I think we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Not to mention, you're also our tutoring manager, which is much appreciated. So thank you so much for your time. All right. So I just wanted to ask, if you don't mind me asking, would you like to share your story? Sure. So hypothyroid, I guess it all begins with my mom. Um, she had hypothyroid. I think she was diagnosed maybe in her last few years of high school or maybe college. Um, and then I was diagnosed when I was about 11. I went for a routine uh, checkup, like a yearly one. And then the doctor like kind of felt my like thyroid area in the throat and she was like, this is weird, this is not normal. And then she had my brother who's like three years younger than me sit next to me and had my mom feel both of our throats and then my brothers obviously felt different. So then we, she connected us with a endocrinologist. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, we that that's how I was diagnosed. Basically, we're not sure if it was genetic, uh, genetic, or it's just like a really bad coincidence that both my mom and I have it because I don't think anybody else in my family does. So yeah, that's how I was I was diagnosed, and that's kind of my story. I see. So you kind of like share it with your mom. Yeah, kind of. Um, she actually stopped taking like the hypothyroid medicine a little while ago because if you manage it well and if you take the medicine every single day. Um, you only need to take it for about 10 years, depending on age, of course. Like, I only need to take it for 10 years because I was diagnosed in middle school, right? So she's borderline. But yeah, I kind of share it with my mom. Um, a little follow-up question to that. So when did you guys go to the doctors? Or like, when were you diagnosed with it? Right. So uh, I think it was like November of 2016. So yeah, I was 11. And it was just like, you know, those yearly checkups that you have at the doctor. So it was mm -hmm. just a child pediatrician. My mom took my brother and I, and then that's how it all happened. 
Was it scary for you, like going to the endocrinologist or something? Not really. I didn't know what that meant at the time. So I thought it was just like another doctor. And I, my mom explained it to me anyways, because she had it too. So I knew it wasn't like a huge deal or anything. Like it was just something really minor that I had to take care of. Well, I'm glad it wasn't too scary. But what type of hypothyroid do you have? I'm not going to lie. I don't really know. I think there's something also called hypo hyper thyroid which is like probably the opposite or something i'm not exactly sure my doctors never told me but it's just the general thing where the the thyroid gland doesn't produce enough hormones so your body kind of like oh. so do you have to like uh was there any surgery involved or do you have to like take medicine yeah it's like honestly a super simple like i guess i'm not even going to call it a disease it's like a disorder kind of because it's not like a constant thing because um all I have to do is take a medicine in the morning, wait an hour before I can eat, and that medicine, like the dosage, is determined by a blood a blood test that I take every six weeks, and they uh, decide how much how many micrograms I should have every morning. So I just take it like at like six thirty a.m., wait an hour, have breakfast. It's super simple, and it it's really not that um, time consuming, I guess. So would you say that it doesn't impact your everyday life too much? Or would it, would you say like, oh yeah, because of this, like I couldn't do some of these things? Yeah, so basically the side effects of hypothyroid, especially if it's not diagnosed for a little while, is your meta metabolism goes crazy. It like slows down a lot. And the argument could be made like for an average, I'm, I'm going to be 16 in a few months, for an average 16-year-old girl, my metabolism is way slower than other 16-year-old girls, even though I take the supplements daily. So that's one thing. Um, another thing could be like you can get fatigued and a bunch of other stuff. That doesn't happen to me because that can be controlled really well by taking the supplements. The only like daily life thing that I guess would be affected is like going for sleepovers is super complicated because I got to wake up early and take the medicine, but that's not really a huge deal. So what do you mean wake up early? Right. So like I said, it has to be taken. You have to be on like a completely empty stomach. You got to wait an hour after you take the medicine to eat something. The best time to do that is you just take it early in the morning and then you have uh, breakfast at just like a general time that anybody else would. So that's why, I mean, like, you know, it would like I have to wake up early. I see. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, are there any like interesting factoids you know about this that you'd like to share? Um, not gonna lie, no, up until this episode, I haven't really talked about hypothyroid with my friends, it's not like, or like family, it's not, like I said, it's not a huge thing, it's really not a huge thing, but one interesting thing is that it depends on the age of diagnosis when you can actually stop taking the medicine. So for, I'm gonna take my mom for example, she got diagnosed when she was finishing high school or somewhere around college, right? Mm -hmm. So she would, she stopped taking the medicine quite a few years ago, actually, when I was pretty young. So by the time I was diagnosed, she, I don't think she was taking the medicine at all. Um, so yeah, you could stop taking it once you're hypothyroid, like it gets used to those hormones being instilled into it through the medicine. Um, then you can stop taking it. You'll, you'll be ca uh, called borderline hypothyroid then. So your metabolism will be slower than it was when you were taking supplements. You might get more fatigued and your whole like body will, might like, move slower than the average person. But since I got diagnosed when I was quite young, like it's, um, we got lucky that we caught, caught it young. Otherwise, um, my health would probably be like really bad. Mm -hmm. 
So since I was diagnosed when I was 11, if I be responsible, take the medicine properly, don't eat when I'm not supposed to eat during that medicine like set-in period, I can probably stop taking the medicine when I finish college. That's really cool. So like um, if you, what you're saying is they catch it early, then that's good for like the patient, right? Yeah. Um, even if they don't like catch it when you're a kid, they will, if you go for your uh, yearly checkups with your doctor, they'll probably notice if anything's out of the ordinary, but it's just better to catch it early. Mm, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. I, you were talking about medicine and you were talking about hormones and I was literally talking, I was literally thinking about unit four AP biology guys, like not joking because, but like, yeah, it's super interesting to see how like stuff that we learn in high school kind of like kind of correlates to what we do you know i don't take ap bio so i'll take your word for it man oh but a lot of work but it's okay um but like i think if you were in in like ap bio you would kind of relate to what we were learning about because it's a lot of like we were learning about cell signaling basically what is like when you would take your medicine right and you have that setting period so i'm assuming during that setting period the medicine is going and attaching to a receptor which is kind of like inhibiting like all of the other things that would like what that whatever is causing like your hypothyroid to like freak out right and then secrete more hormones i was just imagining that but like <laughs> totally me nerding out but thank you so much anjali for joining us on our podcast curatively and it was so nice to have you here thank you for having me hi thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast thank you so much for having me yeah and thank you so much for your sacrifice and your selflessness in the midst of this pandemic thank there you. is no problem at all anything i can do to help it's like we can't go anywhere anyway <laughs> So basically, we asked our listeners if they have any questions for you. Um, so, and we got like a few responses. So would you be willing to like answer them? For sure. Go ahead. Okay. So our first question is, does hypothyroidism affect one's sex predominantly? And what makes one prone to the condition? Interesting. So actually, uh, both men and women can have hypothyroidism, but it actually affects women more. They say maybe the ratio is about seven women to three men out of 10 get hypothyroidism. The, and I'm not sure why, the most common cause of hypothyroidism is an autoimmune process, meaning the same way your body can produce antibodies that fight the outside world, you could actually, uh, by way of family history, have or make antibodies that fight your own gland. So when they get released into the circulation, these antibodies find your thyroid gland and they attach the, to the gland, causing long-term non-painful inflammation. And in time, it, the gland becomes scarred up and is not as good at producing hormone. I see. Um, does the fact that women get um, hypothyroid more often than men have to do with the woman's menstrual cycle by any chance? No, uh, not really. However, when you have, so it's actually the opposite. When you have a thyroid condition, it can certainly affect menstrual cycle. So I see some patients or a lot of women actually come to me being referred by their gynecologist 
or their OBGYN. So because they present to their OBGYN for uh, uh, period issues like menstrual cycle irregularity and the gynecologist knows to check thyroid blood tests and then they get diagnosed with hypothyroidism or hyper. I see. Um, and our next question is, are there any long-term side effects to the current treatments for hypothyroidism? Actually, no, because hypothyroidism is treated by, we are not giving you any medications that affect your immune system. What's interesting is that treatment for hypothyroidism is thyroid hormone replacement. We give you back thyroid hormone. So what you're actually taking is thyroid hormone itself. So in terms of side effect or how do we treat it is by adjusting the dose. So the side effect is if you get too little of what you actually need or too much uh, of what you need. So that's where you get the side effects. I see. I understand. And how do the treatments vary between um, patients who are diagnosed with hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism? So for hypothyroidism, when you're diagnosed with it, the treatment is to replace with an adequate dose of thyroid hormone that you adjust up and down. For hyperthyroidism, it's a little more complicated because you have a gland that is producing too much hormone that is out of control. And so actually, there are three ways to treat an overactive thyroid. One is there is a medication that can stop the gland from producing too much. It's called methimazole. And uh, there's also another drug called propylthiouracil. Sorry, that's a mouthful. And there's two other treatments are you think about surgically removing your thyroid gland. Uh, another treatment is what we call radioactive iodine, where you give you, uh, we, you are given an iodine pill that is laced with radiation. I see. So how could hypothyroidism affect one's personality and their daily life? So uh, in terms of affecting you, it is when you go untreated. So let's say you technically have hypothyroidism and you're not diagnosed. Uh, so it can affect your mood. So because you're not getting enough thyroid hormone or not making enough for yourself, you can get tired, depressed. Um, those are the typical tired and depressed and just slow, uh, physically constipated, dry skin, and generally maybe memory loss. You just don't feel well. So mm -hmm. in that sense, uh, being tired uh, and depressed affects relationships with other people and also affects, you know, your day-to-day -day life. Um, yeah. Have you seen any extreme cases of hypothyroidism? Yes, uh, this is nowadays not as much because when you actually seek help from a doctor, our general practitioners are really very good now at screening for hypothyroid or thyroid disease. In the past, and I would say when I was in training, uh, and uh, mind you, I trained in Missouri, so maybe there are some, some areas in Missouri that had very low access to doctors. I could see some, I did see some severe cases of untreated, long-term untreated hypothyroidism. And they could be, you know, so slow, it could affect their blood pressure and heart rate could really slow down. We call it myxedema coma. So in the past, when we did not check it and they were left without thyroid hormone, 
it could be as severe as getting into a coma. Oh my God. How often do you see cases like that? I would say very rare now. I would say I do not think I have identified uh, up to that degree in maybe 10 years. Uh, so because a lot of people and doctors sc uh, screen for it now. So I would say those that get that severe, uh, just really totally do not have access to, to doctors or don't want to go to a doctor for a long time. So it'll be somebody maybe in a very far off rural area or just somebody who just doesn't want to go to a doctor get checked. I see. And I think that was our last question. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. It was great having you. Thank you so much for having me. And I think what you uh, ladies are doing is so uh, important. And I also thank you for raising awareness, especially at your uh, kind of your stage in life. Uh, and I'm very thankful. So we actually have some questions for you from our listeners that they want you to answer. So would you be cool with that? Yeah, awesome. Let's do it. Okay, great. So our first question is, what's one part of having hypothyroidism that you really want to talk about? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I feel like I stated earlier in this interview that it doesn't affect my life a lot. But I think one thing is that's super trivial, but I think about it a lot is that like how I have trouble in PE class. Like I said, my, metabolism, my metabolism is slower than the average 16 year olds. So if our PE teacher asks us to run the mile and you see me like lagging behind, it's not just my metabolism, it's also my like stamina because metab slower metabolism and more receptive to fatigue is one, of the, is, is one of the side effects of having hypothyroid. So yeah. If any of my classmates are listening to this, don't make fun of me. Okay, I see. And another question is, are there any positives to your experience with hypothyroidism? Like any life lessons you learned? Or like, did you develop a more unique identity? Yeah, I think one of the things is waking up early for my medicine has really attached me to a schedule. So right now during online school, my school starts at nine, okay? I cannot complain about that. So I wake up, at, uh, take my medicine at 6.30 and then like have breakfast at 7.30. But before that, when I, my school started at 7.30, I would wake up at 5.30 to take my medicine. And I think that has really made me more privy to having a schedule and just like organize, organizing my life better. That's really great. So basically this experience has helped you develop your time management skills. That's really cool. Um, so do you have any like food restrictions? No, honestly, the only food restrictions I have are ones that like, I prefer to use on myself because like of other health things, but I don't have any food restrictions, but I can't speak for all hypothyroid patients. As far as I know, my mom didn't either. And our last question is, are there any side effects to hypothyroid and how has it impacted your personality? Right. So like I said, some of the side effects to it, slower metabolism and fatigue are the big ones. There's some other small ones that don't really affect me as much. So yeah, like I said, I don't get fatigued a lot. The supplement is pretty good at uh, stopping that. But when it when it's like uh, when I'm menstruating, like I um, I get much more fatigued and moody than the average um, girl does. So that's one thing. But it is while I am menstruating, so you can't like that happens to everyone. And like I said, the slower metabolism lower stamina, lower endurance, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. Thank you so much. I think that was like our last question. 
Um, you're so great. Thank you so much for attending this podcast. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Oh,